welcome, 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 welcome to whatever. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> welcome, you are listening to the Virtually Legal Podcast. My name is Molly. And I'm Abby. Wow, I was really bad today. That um, was really, <laughs> really, really shocking. As if this isn't like episode 10 or something. And today we are going to be talking about my favourite topic, women in law, feminism, all things girl power. Really? In the yeah, in the studio with us today we studio have, bedrooms. Yes, I say that every time. I feel like it just gives us. I can do studio. I can say I'm in a studio. Oh, for Sorry. anyone that doesn't know, that's Claire's voice. Claire's, <laughs> Hello. Claire's, Claire's coming in early. So um, I we both went to university with Claire, and she has written a dissertation on women in law. So we thought, who better to get in to chat about with us today? So Claire, if you'd like to introduce yourself a bit more. Hello, uh, my name is Claire, which has already been said. You can tell I'm a first timer <laughs> at this, can't you? <laughs> um, I went to an all-girls school first off and then went to Birmingham. I actually already had a bit of experience with law because in my first year I actually went doing law. Um, after I really persevered with it for the whole year, just realised <laughs> it wasn't really for me. Uh, so I changed course and I did politics and international relations, loved it. And then I really loved feminism, gender politics. That was like my go-to. I, I just thought it was fantastic and I really got on with it. And I just think it's something that everyone needs to learn, not just girls, because that is quite a common theme. Yeah, um, sorry, can I just side note for all boys that have just clicked onto this episode and then gone ed- exit stage left. Stay no, listening, no. <laughs> please. Stay for the duration. Stay listening, 100%. Um, uh, so yeah, I got really into feminist politics. And then when it came to writing my dissertation, I wanted to do something on women and women's careers. And I sort of fell into thinking, do you know what? Let's go back to the good old days and go to law again. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of how I ended up doing all this research. Uh, it was definitely one of my favourite parts of university, it was just fantastic doing it. I spoke to such amazing women. Um, Why did you choose to do women in law? Why not like women in firefighting? So, (laughs) I imagine women in firefighting would probably also be really interesting. But I, so I've kind of covered the female aspect. I wanted to look at women in careers. And then the law, I just found it really interesting because It's this institution that creates, I mean, in its most basic form, it creates the law. Uh, So I thought it'd be really interesting to see if sort of equal rights play out within this institution that is meant to be an advocate for this. If women are actually kind of faced with barriers, that was the title, what barriers do women face in the legal profession? And I wanted to see if there actually were these barriers, because in theory, there should be none. Equal pay for equal work, right? That should that should just yeah. sort out all our problems. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like there should be no barriers at all. As part of like research for this episode, research quote unquote, oh, Abby yeah. and I actually read Claire's diss. Um, I loved reading it. It just read like a really fun article, ah, and I actually have you. a favorite quote from it that. Yes, I, <laughs> so do I. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like everyone picks out their favorites because some of the quotes are so like juicy. You just think, oh yeah, go on, girl power. I just I want it. it on a t-shirt. I really, <laughs> I really want it like <laughs> sewn into a cushion or something. Yeah, my my favorite quote was: "Boardroom decisions are made on the golf course." It's such a classic. 
It's yeah. such a classic. Whereas I went along the alternative route and mine was to do with like sexual harassment and mine was he tried to kiss me basically to my complete and utter surprise because I was not aware of any flirtation. He said, oh, but you're always so smiley and cheerful. I was like, that's just my personality and you're my boss. I just think that last bit, my personality and you're my boss just says it all. Killer. That was that wasn't Claire that said that, by the way. I oh, feel no. like feel like we should have explained. Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. That's not me. <laughs> as part of um, as part of Claire's disc research, she interviewed eleven amazing women, all the way from yeah. trainee level right up to partner level, to get their view um, on some of the issues they face. And actually, I think the most interesting thing I took from your disc was actually how there wasn't one like uniform position from the women yeah. like what the partner said was often very different to the expectations that the trainees felt that they had on them yeah absolutely I mean you can really see like career progression when I was speaking to them um I mean I was really fortunate enough to have a really broad range of um participants who were willing to speak to me I managed to get two equity partners to speak to me which was just fantastic but you could really see they joined the law in like the 70s and the issues that they faced kind of still come up as worries and fears for the trainees of today. It seemed more so for the trainees in the reading when we were talking about things so when we I mean your dissertation (laughs) (laughs) when you were talking about things like do you feel like you have to be more assertive or aggressive yeah. to like match the men? A lot of the trainees said that they did feel like they kind of had to adopt a bit more of a, an aggressive and assertive persona, but mm. the more senior partners felt like they'd kind of settled into their own skin a bit more and mm. like had their own groove kind of going on. Yeah, there was a really interesting um, kind of part of that section, which was like amazing for my research there was a one of the partners had basically really recently been made a partner and she still felt like she needed to be assertive and sort of take on a bit more of a masculine I don't know if dynamic is the right word but like a masculine approach to Mm. kind of like her work and boardroom meetings and it was kind of like because she's just become a partner she's only just got that title that ability to have your own style and people respect your own style hasn't quite developed yet so she still feels like she has to make up for that Mm. whereas I imagine if I did this entire research game in 10 years that I'd love to speak to her again and see her new approach with her new title and how she now kind of approaches her work in that sense if she is still kind of conforming to those masculine traits and, and approaches or if she's you know found her style I find it weird because during the, the recruitment process every every law firm talks about how you should just be yourself but then from your research it shows that even though they want you to be yourself do they or do they want you to be how they expect women to be in law which currently yeah. isn't up to date yeah that was another really interesting kind of factor as to why I chose law because the route to get in is so regimented and it's Mm. so clear kind of you'd expect everyone in there to be kind of treated the same you've all got the same I mean the grades to get into law you both know are you know academic excellence utmost importance great university grades you then go on to do your GDL your LPCs you're all going to law school together and then you all go off into these firms. So 
everyone's kind of on equal footing because you've all gone through this training. So then why are some people respected in their manners more than others who have gone through the same process? It's almost like... It comes down their... to personality. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some one thing that came up in the research was that female personalities can really kind of fall into the background and um, don't often get recognised or seen. And I think it comes down to being the loudest person in the room, which a lot of the trainees I interviewed didn't feel comfortable doing. Um, and one of them, one of the girls, she actually said, you know, that's not my personality. I'm quiet. I'm very softly spoken. I'm never going to be the loudest person in the room. So she's almost feeling hindered simply by who she is. But it, and it's not, and it's not to say girls should act more like boys because, like, there's plenty of timid you know quiet more softly exactly yeah we're, we're talking Commercial about those guy. yeah we're talking about those like those masculine traits yeah that actually are a pitfall even for men because so many men don't even have them but i just think in that respect like how we're going to get there in the future is these partners that you were speaking to and who have recognized all of these flaws and problems in the past hopefully then they will be able to look at their recruitment process and change it from there. But it's until we get those people willing to change it up to the top. Yeah, I mean, that was a massive takeaway uh, from this whole research was that there is a, there are kind of two generations, no, three, three generations at the minute. You've got your really old school partners who were made partner in the 70s. They haven't retired yet. Like they're just still going because... Also, lawyers were made partners so much earlier than they are now. Um, so they've been partners for ages and they're still in that old kind of mind frame. You know, women are still very new to the law, even though they're not. Then you have your middle ground kind of partners, male partners, um, who sometimes go to these like women in law events and sexual equality events and things like that and make the effort to have that understanding. But sometimes... I don't know, have a little hiccup and do something that isn't quite, I don't know, PG. And then <laughs> and then you have like the trainees, kind of associate levels, who are really making an effort to get into all this equality kind of stuff um, that I think it is really easy to ignore. It's really easy to ignore equality and inequality and just not see it. And I think a lot of the time, and this was something that one of the participants said, a lot of the time it's the people who really need to go to these equality events and understand the issues. They're the people that don't go because they don't think it affects them because they yeah. don't see that problem. I am hopeful that like by the time we really get into our own in our careers and stuff that things will have changed. But mm. definitely one of the kind of anxieties that you identified amongst the trainees was particularly around like motherhood and how much of a... Um, how much of a potential barrier that's going to be because when I was looking into like pay equality stuff the thing that really struck a chord was that actually pay inequality and the gender pay gap isn't necessarily so strictly between men and women as between like everyone and mothers yeah definitely yeah and that that just like seemed to really really play on all the trainees minds was like th things that we talked about in our in our call before, Claire. Things like you can't go to those drinks with your clients after work. 
whereas yeah, you have to your male coffee. colleagues can yeah, yeah you have to absolutely. do like the coffee mornings instead with the clients yeah 100% I think that was something that it was definitely a fear amongst um, the younger women and sort of an anxiety and, and I think one woman said you know you have to make a choice whether or not to give up a career uh, in a city firm or you be an absent mother I mean, how can anyone decide between that at the age of 24? That's just, it's a decision that I would never want to make. And, and it is a decision that isn't just down to lawyers, it is down to lots of careers. But I think it's made particularly difficult in, in law just because of career progression and, and you have to work so hard to get there. And I just, yeah, I think it's so difficult. There were such amazing stories from the sort of old women though, where they said, it's not impossible. It can be done. You can have kids and work. They it's just, lawyer, yeah. it's just really hard, but you can do it. You can definitely do it. And that was something that was really nice and it was really inspirational. Um, and I almost wanted to tell the trainees, I was like, hey, look, these older ladies are saying that you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> but then all of that like confidentiality stuff got in the way absolutely yeah. I was just like this is so annoying <laughs> I can't exactly be like participant two is telling you this but that that was so empowering and I just thought you know what sometimes we can put barriers in our way our own barriers by thinking that we can't do it you can have that career in kids one of the phrases you used were to be an adaptive mother and yeah. I think that's something that I guess everyone will just I guess get better at over time but also I was thinking obviously being an adaptive mother but what about being an adaptive father like yeah. men in law firms also need to take on this responsibility mm. to think well what about my chance to have paternity leave like yeah I know I think it's I want to say Iceland um now makes it mandatory to have paternity leave and mm. it, yeah, it's, something it's, it's not like mandatory the, but it's like a kind of like use it or lose it type thing so yeah. it's yeah. like it's way more common to take paternity leave yeah, than it is yeah. to not. So in a study, so there's this researcher called Cynthia Epstein, and she did a massive study on female lawyers in America. At, at the end of the day, until men, until it's a norm for men to work flexibly and to work part-time, then until then, women are always going to be a primary caregiver and women are always going to have that hanging over them. So in it has to start with it being normal for a man to take paternity leave and for that being a norm and being common and accepted within the office. Yeah, and it, it just like not being this like weird dichotomy of either like mm. you give up your career to go and look after your kids or you're this really cold stony mum who has no time for her kids and there's like no middle ground. But I think so much of that just comes down to people's expectations on we... mothers versus on new fathers. And I was looking at this study which said that under 20% of people, the survey was taken in the US, UK, Denmark, Sweden, under 20% of people think that a woman should work full-time once she has children. Whereas the expectation flips when it comes to men and it's 70% of people think that men with young children should work full-time. Yeah, but there was this amazing quote and it just really stuck with me. Um, when I was reading it and you know when you're like doing research reading and you just think wow, wow that's encapsulated it so well it was about um male lawyers taking uh taking flexible like doing flexi time uh to be able to kind of compensate for looking after children and it was you can only take 
flexible time or part-time. If your wife is dead or in a coma, then you can take time to be a primary caregiver. I mean, come, come on. <laughs> like, it's just, it's shocking That's, though. That is that is, that is just like a crazy mind frame. But, you know, it says a lot about the... Um, about the opinions towards men working flexibly. We were also saying in the call before this how currently a work from home, a dad that works from home is just not seen as sexy for a better term compared to, yeah. it's just not quite, that needs to change. It yeah. needs to be something that we, that is first of all the norm, yeah. something people almost idolise yeah. rather than something that's seen as something they've done second hand. All of the like um, ho- home husbands in like films are seen as comedy acts. They're 100%, always, yeah. They are the funny one. They're yeah. there with a whole group of women yeah. and they're like, it's just, it hasn't quite changed yet. Mm. It's all about these gendered expectations that really infiltrate people's careers and how people are viewed in their careers. I mean, one of the equity partners that I interviewed, um, she was telling me how she was partner at this point, so she had authority. She wasn't an associate. She had authority. She had two children, but she still wanted to be there in their lives. She didn't want to be this absent mother, so she was becoming this like adaptive mother in the best way possible. And she said so beautifully, she was like, I had to pack up, put all my stuff away at 5.30, take five deep breaths, get up, try not to make eye contact with anyone, print off all my work and leave so that she could be with her children. And I don't think that that goes through men's minds when they have to leave the office. You know, do they really think, oh God, I'm going to be really judged right now. I think that's something we were, or, well, I was also in my research talking about how I think it's something to do with like globally 75% of unpaid work is done by women. And it's that unpaid work that we don't currently consider as positive and in society. Like, I think it was Ryan Gosling apparently thanked his partner in the Globe and Golden Glows for her unpaid work and acknowledged that without it, he would not be on the stage. The fact that, first of all, it's unusual for men to have to thank their partner and women for all the unpaid work that they're doing and how it's not actually the norm. How you forget about a woman's normally, well, 75% of a woman's work doesn't stop when they go back home. Yeah, there's this really interesting concept um, that I learned whilst I was at university and I'm probably going to say this wrong, but I'm hoping that it kind of gives the right impression, called the invisible burden where it's just not recognised the extra work and the extra burden that is put on to women with housework, caregiving. Mm. You know, it's just not considered. It's invisible. People don't see it. It's not recognised. It's not paid. But it is unpaid work. This issue of unpaid work then plays into the issues of equal pay. I mean, literally in 2020, UK women were still earning 19% less for their work. 19%. The Equality Act came out in 2010. It's been 10 years. Yeah, I honestly do agree. So Claire, we've talked about all and so many barriers that women face, but I guess another thing that definitely has come up recently with like Jeffrey Epstein, everything like that, sexual harassment is such a big thing, Me Too movement. Um, but how is this working within the legal profession and why is it, why is it still happening? Well, I think, 
I think the Me Too movement has been fantastic by bringing attention to it, definitely. Um, I mean, going back to kind of the basics of it, there's often a struggle to differentiate between friendly behaviour and sexually tinged behaviour. And then if a woman is sexually harassed, it's often kind of linked to, oh, she didn't get the comedic value of what I was saying, all of this. But when I was doing my research, one of the women uh, told me of a story, which was just incredible that it actually even happened, um, where they were just finishing up a massive deal. She was a she was a trainee or associate at the time, and, and this was with the partner on that case. Um, and they were celebrating, and he tried to kiss her. And she sort of pulled back completely aghast and thought, oh my God, what is going on? Why are you doing this? And it comes back to your quote that you said at the start. You said, oh, but you're always so smiley and so cheerful. Um, but that's her personality and he's her boss. It's just things that shouldn't happen at all. And I mean, that's sexually but tinged behaviour. I mean, that obviously... Friendly doesn't motive. mean flirty. Absolutely. Womanly charms are not a justification for trying to kiss a trainee, your junior. You're the authority in that scenario. Like, that is just not okay in all professions um and even i was reading an article recently on legal cheek about how this happened again and a senior partner was fined after kissing and touching a paralegal mm. in a wine bar and quote unquote the actual title says extremely drunk senior partner mm. and i'm like even the language there extremely drunk just normalizes yeah. and almost excuses his behavior like do you know what it was an accident but like it just sort of demonstrates how we haven't socially gone far far enough to combat it. I'd like I'd like to think though the article with legal cheek and him being fined ten grand. I'd like to think that they kind of made an example of him. Absolutely, yeah. So maybe that kind of shone the spotlight mm. on okay, yeah. this like this really really isn't acceptable. But I mean, it takes so much for women to come forward. I mean, even the woman who talk, told me that story, she said, I, I asked her, I said, did you ever report it to HR? And she said no, because she probably thought she was going to lose her career. HR departments, I think, can either exacerbate the problem and often make it worse by sort of overcompensating. And then women, especially the younger women who are just kind of making their careers and making a start, then get called whistleblowers and and then people are almost overcompensating for that and then they think they're soft and then it leads you into a whole other web of problems so i think hr departments need to be trustworthy uh completely confidential um and make sure that the person that's reported the problem is given the all clear for all of the stages of um, prevention that they're planning to take. You know, don't go straight to the partner that they've raised an issue with and say, this trainee said this, that you've done this, what are your thoughts on it? But yeah, the Me Too movement has been great at kind of highlighting the issue, but there's definitely work to be done. And not just with sexual behaviour, you know, gender discrimination and that can have even more of an effect. One of the equity partners had this fantastic story um, when she was just starting out. If she wanted to go into her partner's office, he had this wooden flooring and he would make her take her, her heels off or her shoes before she went in. So she would be sitting in meetings. Bearing oh, in mind so at this time, and creepy. At, at this time, she's probably the only woman in the room that also is a lawyer and oh, isn't a secretary. And she's just sitting there in her tight stockings, barefoot. Like how mortifying is that? You want to be taken seriously. You're a high-flying lawyer and you're treated in that way by your senior 
how I mean how humiliating and I'm not but saying then that these situations get hold off if you're a woman and you're not wearing heels sometimes exactly it's such I don't want to say a double standard but it's so it's such like contradictions everywhere you have to do this but then you get told off for doing this and then if you don't do this a hundred percent and it is just everywhere um but but again that's this old school type of lawyer that is kind of keeping these problems around whereas I think this new generation would, would never really experience these kind of problems and, and would really make an effort to kind of rid the world of or at least rid the legal world of scenarios like this. Oh, so I think that's actually a perfect place to sort of end because we're mm. stuck in this sort of lead like what's the like we're stuck in limbo this we're stuck in the limbo is yeah the i'm looking for between the old and the new but i think that's a great place to leave your research and thank you so much for coming on You're molly so and welcome. i have been We've loved it loved it <laughs> yeah had the pleasure I to talk to you it. to read your dissertation and i hope all the listeners enjoy it as much as molly and i did because well if not anyway we've enjoyed it <laughs> it's just out there in the ether now <laughs> Once again, thank you very much to Claire for sharing and talking about her research. Inequality between women and men is something that we have made great advances in over the years. However, it is still something that we unfortunately grapple with in society today. I say society because it's not a woman's issue. It is only as a collective that we can alter the gender disparities in society and in the law. Real change is needed in the gender expectations of men as well as women. Women in law is just a tiny part of a much bigger issue and something that we need to continue fighting. It is not all doom and gloom. Remember this and do not th let these stereotypes and inequalities discourage you from a career and a career in law. Be the change you want to see.